We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher of irishbreakdown.com. And uh, as we promised in yesterday's podcast, today today we're going to bring the heat, uh, Brian, is really what it comes down to. Uh, We've talked many times about... You know, where Notre Dame stands in comparison to other programs, other top elite, uh, you know, tier one, however you want to categorize teams. uh, We've talked about Notre Dame and whether they fit in that category. And I think the consensus is that not yet. Uh, They're knocking on the door, but are they going to bust through the door or are they going to take a step back or are they just going to stay at the door like an annoying, uh, you know, relative that you don't really want to let in the door? Uh, So, you know, where... Where is Notre Dame going to go here? And, and we've talked many times about how this is a pivotal year. This is a pivotal offseason for this program, we believe, with the schedule coming up, with the turnover offensively, and with the schedule in 22. Um, and so to, in today's podcast, uh, Brian and I are going to kick around our thoughts on where Notre Dame needs to go from a philosophical mindset offensively not not scheme not x's and o's per se that that podcast is coming yes that podcast is coming but to start uh you know if i was putting together a staff or brian was putting together a staff you know when you first meet with your staff it's okay 
Who do we want to be? Right. What is our philosophy? Your scheme will come yeah. from that. That's exactly right. And so that's the that's how the conversation goes, right? So like my baseball team, what kind of team do we want to be? Mm-hmm. And then you figure out, okay, here's how we get to be that team. What right. is the scheme? Are we going to bunt? Are we going to, you know, what, right. what does that mean? And, and you build it around who you, who you, who you are as a program, but exactly. who you are as a program is partly determined by what kind of players you have. Oh, and that is and, so true. Right. Yes. So, so what we're not going to say in this philosophical change is they have to go away from two tight ends. They have to right. go away from, you know, really good running the football team. They have to go away from being driven by the offensive line. None of those things have to change. Yeah, absolutely. Not. We'll get into that uh, more so, especially more so the next one, but that I want to make sure that that's what people understand. Cause I think there's this notion that when, when people hear you got to be explosive and, and high powered, that means three, four receivers. And that means Oregon's offense. Right. Like 10 years ago. Right. And right. that's not what we're saying. We're not right. saying you need to go run the air raid that USC is running because I would say there are better versions of the air raid that run the ball a lot. Go watch Lincoln Riley's offense, you right. know? Right. Um, you know, so so we're not saying that Notre Dame has to try to replicate exactly what program A, B, or C is doing. If you go look, go right. if you think this is about throwing the ball a million times a game and not running the ball, go look at Clemson's rushing numbers in 2019 and 2018. Go, you know, that simple go look at Ohio State's rushing numbers this year. Go look at Oklahoma's rushing numbers uh throughout the years and 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 then we'll talk and then you'll understand that this isn't about not running or throwing it a million times, or needing to get four and five receivers on the field all the time. That is not what we're saying. You can you can have the personnel that Notre Dame has and be a explosive, high-scoring offense. And that's what we'll dive into, because it's not about the players as much. And it's not even as much about the plays, because there's a lot of plays that if Notre Dame yep. changed philosophies, that would still be the same. Yes. Uh, it, it is a change in mindset. It is a change in philosophy, which means how you go about your business every day. And it will impact how you recruit, but it's not going to be this sweeping dramatic changes that that some people, I think, think that need to happen. And, and those are the things we'll get into. It's really about who at, the, at your heart as a program do you want to be and what is your philosophy on how you go about your business on an everyday basis. And that, to me, is what is what needs to change. And then and the evidence is so obvious that 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 that's where Notre Dame wants to be if their program goal is truly to compete for championships. And that's not to cut you off there, Brian, but that's that's exactly my point. Is okay. What what is your goal as a program? Mm-hmm. Okay, so if if your goal is to compete for national titles, well, then you have to look at the lay of the land. How, what are the what are teams doing that are competing for national titles? What do those numbers look like? And 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 to build on your point. There's many, many, many ways to skin a cat, mm-hmm. right? There, they, you don't have to, to have a certain scheme in order right. to score points. And that's, mm-hmm. that's the bottom line. When, you, when you're looking at teams that are winning titles and teams that are consistently in the conversation for winning titles, it's PPG, points mm-hmm. per game, mm-hmm. okay? And right now, Notre Dame is lacking significantly mm-hmm. in that category. And I don't... Again, there are many ways to score points, okay? Right. Uh, the, the Citadel can score points running the triple option, right? I, 
I, I know. Just, I know. What are you saying. trying to upset me today? Are you trying to anger me today? Are you Trevor? Is that why you're bringing up the triple? I saw your face as soon as you said it. Because uh, I you saw know yours. what you were doing. <laughs> I, look, I cover. I cover a team locally uh, that runs yeah. the triple option, and they they mm-hmm. average like forty points a game. Right. right. And so, the bottom line is, and I'm not in any way telling Notre Dame that they need to go to the triple. Yeah, because you just that got is. a couple fans really excited. There are some people <laughs> that think the triple option is the way to go for Notre Dame. Yeah. Hey, I I am not an anti-option guy as much as you are i've spent too much time i am at a place football. like notre dame me too uh, that that's too. there are certain places where like if army ever hired a coach that wasn't a triple option guy i'd say you then you need to fire whoever hired that guy right absolutely you know same with navy there because are some places personnel right some places you need to do it at a place like notre dame it yes. would be a limiting factor although and, i don't and, think they'd score to, any less go- that in that than they are now well, they're not good right now, but I, I, I'm with you on that one. But the, the point of a triple option is it 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 allows less talented kids to compete with talented kids. It's and a neutralizer to a degree. That's exactly right. right. So, right. but that's uh, again a but, whole but, other. But honestly, let's let's dive into this, Vince. Let's okay. first talk about what Notre Dame's philosophy is, okay, just briefly, and then the evidence that shows that, that that's not going to work. Sure. And I'm not even talking about just Notre Dame's evidence, right? Because you could say, you can make a case that Notre Dame just, let's just say, hey, let's buy into the mantra that they just weren't good enough in 2018 and 2020 to score more than 17 combined points in their two playoff games. So 31 combined points in their three championship kind of games, and you go back to 2012. Let's just say I hypothetically believe that, okay? The evidence is clear that this is where you need to be as a program, Okay. Notre Dame's philosophy under Brian Kelly has has evolved over the years. It's changed from to, from time to time. Okay, but the philosophy, as far schematically, it has changed. But philosophically, Agreed. it's it's it hasn't evolved a ton. Uh, and really, what it's boiled down to is he has over the years adopted a very complex pro style type of offense that really you just don't see anymore. And it is it is it's become more ball control now but it's that's been flexible they weren't ball control in 2014 for example but the philosophy is still the same it's about getting in the perfect play call and and really out coaching your opponents and then having to outplay your opponents because what you know in a one-on-one situation correct because what this scheme does is it gives a receiver a lot of different options and mm-hmm. and he has to you know based on this read and that read and it's just a very complex system from a pass game standpoint and and part of me wonders if it was something that Kelly kind of evolved to around 20 after 2012 when his interest in the NFL increased that yeah. part of me wonders if that was it and he just never has gone away from it because I I still believe if the right NFL team came calling Brian Kelly would listen uh, you know, so I think that's kind of where it comes from. And, and and now the version that we see now is because they're really good up front and really good at tight end and, and, and they're building, they're, they're tailoring what they do to that personnel, which sure. I have no problem with Me neither. That, that part of the philosophy. I have no problem with, but this notion that Notre Dame is trying to run a ball control offense that will, will generate some big plays in the pass game down the field, or, you know, whatever the case may be is really, uh, it's it's a handicap because basically what they're trying to do, Vince, is they're trying to be like Alabama from 2012 when the reality is is Alabama's not even trying to be Alabama from 2012 anymore. And that is that big, physical, beat-you-along-the-lines, pro-style offense. Mm-hmm. And, and 
you just you can be a big physical pro style offense, but you have to be explosive. You have to push the tempo. You have to give your quarterback more options. They need to. They need to. What you're seeing is it's a complex system that requires maturity to 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 thrive in. Sure. Another part of their philosophy is there's no adaptability to the mental part of a player's ability. What I mean by that is they'll adapt schematically to fit certain personnel. They didn't ask Chase Claypool and Miles Boykin to run the same stuff they asked Will Fuller to run. However, what doesn't change is the fact that to play in it, at receiver especially, and at quarterback, you have to have a very deep grasp of the package. And if you don't, then you just don't play. There's no, well, he only knows this, so we're going to let him do that. And you can't do that the way that they run their offense because then it limits, it makes your play calls less effective because you don't have play calls designed to get guys open. You're getting guys open with their ability and and winning matchups and not the kind of matchups that I want to look for where just disadvantages, but just, hey, Chase Claypool's better than this guy and we're just going to go to him. Uh, you don't see as much of the let's attack the defense and do a lot of the things that modern offenses are doing to create the kind of advantages vertically that you need. I think what Notre Dame has done a good job of is they do a good job of of formationing their way into leverage and numbers advantages in the run game. But they don't do that in the pass game. Right. And I think that's hurt them. So that's kind of their philosophy. And the, the philosophy now is, uh, as Brian Kelly said, it's a ball control limiting possessions offense. Well, the problem is – you can't do that and win when you play the better teams on your schedule. You just can't. And people say, well, well, what about Clemson in November? Okay, let's talk about Clemson in November, okay? You don't win that game if you don't get a defensive touchdown, right? We should all be able to agree on that, okay? Mm -hmm. It was 13-10. to 10. Clemson was already starting to climb back. They had the ball with a chance to go and, and take a lead, and Notre Dame forced back-to-back -back turnovers that allowed them to score 10 quick points to make a 13-10 game, a 23-10 game. You can't rely on doing that every single game. Right. You can't. Right. And and the other part of it is you have to admit that the fact that there was no Trevor Lawrence, Tyler Davis, James Skowski, and Mike Jones did impact that game. You can't, you again, you can't – it doesn't take – Notre Dame, that was still a very good win for Notre Dame. I'm not trying to change that. They but still you're beat not, the number one team in the country. Right. right. You're not going to have those things break your way all the time. Right. And, and that's the reality of it. And, and so, but also the other, the other, the other counter, the point of the Clemson game is you don't point to the exception and try to have it be the rule. Right. And, and, and that's, that's just something you, you can't, you shouldn't, it's like when people say, well, you know, if so-and-so freshman quarterback was really a great player, he would play as a freshman. Well, what makes you say that? Well, look, Trevor Lawrence did it. Well, you know, you don't point to the exception as the rule. And that's the thing is you don't point to that one game when I have a 11-year history of Notre Dame not playing well in these games and, more importantly, not playing well on offense in these games. Right. There have been times where the defense has played well enough for Notre Dame to be on, on that stage. And I don't think a lot of fans – not a lot of fans. Some fans don't think that the Notre Dame defense has played well. I've literally seen people talk about how the problem is an offense. It's the defense gives up too many points. And I'm thinking if you think that, that tells me you watch no one but Notre Dame. Because the reality is Alabama scoring 31 points against Notre Dame was their season low. Mm -hmm. Clemson scoring 30 points in the playoff two years ago against Notre Dame was one of their worst offensive outputs of the, of the season. 
and that was built around three plays. Right. Notre Dame's defense twice now in the playoff has given them a chance to be competitive against the eventual national champion. It's the offense that's lagging behind. And until that changes, Vince, then Notre Dame is going to continue to be a really good program that's not a legitimate title contender. And again, the evidence of why this needs to be the case is right there, and it's easy to find and easy to see. Yeah, and there's no question. And I, and look, I, I appreciate what Notre Dame is doing on the defensive side of the ball. I think that they've got great coaches. I think that they're doing a good job recruiting. I think that the defense is excellent for Notre Dame. The, the problem is you just can't go into wanting to win a national championship in 2020 and beyond mm -hmm. thinking that the defense is going to be the strength of your team. You, 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 as you've said many times, defense will get you to the show, but they're not going to win it for you. Mm -hmm. And and you've got evidence to back that up. And so let's take a look at some of that data. Yeah. So first, let's just look at the the average points per game of the two teams that have played in the championship game the last, of the college football era. So 2020, it's 48.5 and 41.0. This is going to go winner, runner up is how it's going to go. 2019, 48.4 and then 43.9. 2018. 44.3, 45.6. 2017, 37.1, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35.4, 35
You know, I mean, the here's here's the reality, Vince. And Alabama lost a playoff game in 2018. And they gave up 44 points. They lost a playoff team in 2000, a game in 2016. They gave up 35 points. And they lost a playoff game, a semifinal game in 2014. They gave up 42 points. So, you know, uh, that I mean, it's right there. You want right. to win, you have to score. You got to score. And 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 what is Notre Dame? What did Notre Dame average this year? Uh, 33.4 and here's what Notre Dame has averaged the, the last seven years of the playoff era 33.4 36 point 8 31.4 34.2 30.9 34.2 32.8 none of those are even in the neighborhood and, and I mean those are a touchdown the, the 2019 offense slow. yeah last year's offense numbers wise was in the ballpark of a couple teams Alabama's 2017 and 2015 teams the difference was is Notre Dame was they scored 60, what, 62 points against New Mexico and then scored 52 against Bowling Green. They they padded their stats a couple times. And the fact is, is that, again, when they got into those games against Georgia, they couldn't score enough. Right. Against Michigan, they couldn't score enough. You know, so they they padded their stats against some inferior opponents. But the fact of the matter is, Vince, you you, you can't – you have to score that in the playoff to win. You you can't – Not against uh, – Right. Five. Right. Right, because we're you know it'd be one thing if we're throwing out these point numbers and it's like, well, yeah, they played you know Wofford and scored seventy points, right? Like that's why I wanted to show you what these teams are scoring in the title game, the, the national the title games, yeah, of the last seven years. This is the number of points that the the winner has scored in the title game: fifty two, forty two, forty four, twenty six, thirty five, forty five, and forty two. That's what the team that has won the college football playoff game has scored in the title game, not not per game in the title game. So, yeah, you want to win a title, you got to score. Now, here's the thing that Notre Dame has going for events. I do think Notre Dame plays good enough defense. They've shown in the last two times they've been in the playoff, they can keep you in the 30s. Which is which is the goal in the college football playoff. And it's even harder when you consider how ineffective their offense has been. Right. Because their offense puts no pressure on the opponent whatsoever. Right. And they've had they've had to be on the field the majority of the time. I mean, right. they're, they're, they're the ones that are expelling most of the energy. Right. Because the offense is basically, you know, still back at yeah. the end. Unfortunately. What would the defense be able to do if their offense gave them a jump start? If they could jump on an opponent like they're, they're, that teams have done to them. So, so, again, that's the data, the philosophy. We've expressed the philosophy of what Notre Dame has done. We've given you the data. And, and now our next goal is to say, okay, well, what needs to change? Because, again, what we don't want to do, Vince, is we don't want to be the kind of people that just like to hurl criticisms all the time. And and I believe exactly. that if you're going to be critical, you better have some sort of constructive criticism to follow it. And and so we're going to we're going to try to do that um, uh, as we as we kind of dive into those points. But before we do, we have some business we have to attend to, don't we, Vince? Absolutely. We want to definitely hear from one of our friends of Irish Breakdown Podcast, and uh, we're going to do that right now. Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up. And sure, we'll be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans can go to bet smarter and experience real financial gains. In fact, the Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all the professional leagues. 
You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends with the latest games and lines. You can track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off the annual pro subscription. Just go to actionnetwork.com right now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code IRISH. This offer won't last long, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code IRISH to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today. So Brian, you wrote an article over on irishbreakdown.com that, that kind of went through and you, you made four points and uh, how Notre Dame can change philosophically and, and still maintain their identity, frankly. Um, and I, and I want to go through those four points and kind of have a discussion about those points because they're, they're really good points. And um, I think it's gonna be fun to kind of kick some stuff back and forth. So the first point that you made in the article is that Notre Dame needs to develop an explosive mindset. And I think, look, any Notre Dame fan that's, that's watched Notre Dame, you know, you can talk about the deep ball. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about. I think everybody can, can agree that they want this offense to be more explosive. I, I really hope that they can, agree. even if, even if those people out there that want the triple option, you mm-hmm. still want that to be more explosive. Mm-hmm. So developing that explosive mindset is all, kind of an all-encompassing thing. It's again, that's the first thing that you sit down when you're talking about your with your coaches. Okay, we want to be an explosive team. All right. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So continue with your thought process on developing an explosive mindset. Yeah. So to me, explosive is is again, it's not necessarily scheme related. It's not uh, when I say scheme related, it's not spread versus pro style versus whatever. I mean, if you watch Clemson, LSU, Ohio State, and Alabama, they'd run four different offenses. You know, Ohio State and Clemson have some similarities, as Alabama and LSU had some similarities. And the reason being, Ohio State and Clemson are more more spread oriented uh, with some pro-style pass game concepts at Ohio State. LSU and Alabama were more true pro-style because they hired NFL guys to run their offense. And so, uh, again, different schemes, but explosive mindset to me is really kind of about how you go about your business every day and and how you go about your business and practice, how you go about everything you do and and play calling, game planning, everything. And and we'll talk more about play calling because you have some points you want to make about specifically how they call plays when we we do our scheme breakdown. But for me – when I look at it, an explosive mindset is is you're always looking for opportunities to 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 take advantage of the defense. You're always looking for opportunities to put them on their heels. And everything else that we talk about, whether it be some of the philosophical things we'll talk in this podcast, whether it's some of the schematic changes that we're going to talk in the next podcast, it's all built on attacking and being aggressive. That doesn't mean – so here's what explosive mindset does not mean – it does not mean throwing 40-yard, 50-, 60-yard bombs every time you draw back and throw the football. I think when you look at Alabama, for example, Alabama did not throw the ball deep at all against Notre Dame. It didn't mean they didn't have an explosive mindset. There was a lot of things they did that were looking for ways to generate explosives against Notre Dame that was not going to be throwing the ball downfield. Right. It was more of a horizontal attack. Against Ohio State, however – 
because different defense, different personnel, more vulnerable to throwing down the field because they not after the pass it. rush. It was more of a vertically oriented attack, right? So schematically, a lot of different things in those two games. Game plan wise, two completely different game plans from Alabama because they were playing different opponents. But the mindset was always the same. Attack, 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 attack. Run a lot of plays, get the defense on their heels, and and look for opportunities. Anytime they had an opportunity to go for a big play, they would take it. But sure. see, to me, big plays and explosive mindset, I don't want a team throwing 10 balls down the field That's or 15 bombs every game because I don't care. If you're great at throwing the ball deep, you're going to hit half of them. So it's a very inefficient way of going about it. It's it's all the other things then set up opportunities, and this is where you'll kind of come in later, Vince, when we have our scheme one, is to set up opportunities for those big plays or finding matchups uh, in, in how they do it. Everything is built on being aggressive. And, and again, we'll dive more into the specifics of what those mean when we get to the when we get to the uh, to to the scheme conversation. But aggressive to me is about just exploiting your defense, being aggressive. And, and again, some of the points we'll get into, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. But like this whole control the clock, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, Notre Dame has to be really good at, you know, controlling the clock. And I'm like, well, I don't, I think the only person that believes that is Brian Kelly. And then any fan that just believes everything that Brian Kelly says, Yeah, because there's no Brian evidence. Kelly didn't even believe that when exactly, he took Notre Dame job. Exactly. He has evolved <laughs> into that, you know? Right. And, and, and that's the thing is like, you know, this year, for example, Alabama ranked 44th in time of possession and the two teams they beat in the playoff ranked seventh and 19th in time of possession. Clemson ranked 55th in time of possession this year. Last year, LSU, uh, who obviously won a title last season, ranked 54th in time of possession. Clemson in 2018 was even worse. Clemson in 2018 ranked 96th in time of possession. And so, it's again, it's just one of those things where 55th in 2016. There's no evidence that tells me you have to be a ground-and-pound, ball-control, right. possession team. It, 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 in fact, the, the best teams in the country are taking the opposite approach. It's score, score any way you have to, score quickly with the mindset of we're going to put a team away. And here's the and other thing, too. It plays to your defensive strength because if your defense is as good as Notre Dame's and you jump on a team, that defense can be able to put a team away. Look what happened in the pit game. Notre Dame is up 14-3. Defense is shutting, shutting pit down. Notre Dame gets that second touchdown to go up 14-3, and the defense was able to then turn up, heat up a little bit, and all of a sudden they, they force turnovers back, right. like on consecutive possessions, and, and then that game is over. And that's the thing. And and I I was I was about to make that point as well. When when defense plays with a lead, yeah, you're able to do so many other things, right? Because when you're a defense defensive oriented team where you're going to want to win those close games. It's going to be kind of a black and blue type game. Mm -hmm. Defense plays, they play with a feeling that, okay, man, if we make one mistake here, this right. game's over, not in a good way for us. And mm -hmm. so when you have a big lead like that, you could play a little bit more loose. You could play more free because if you do make a mistake, it's not the end of the world mm -hmm. because your offense is going to go down and score again. And mm -hmm. it, you know, it doesn't matter. And that then, 
when you're playing loose, when you're playing free, and Brian Kelly talked about this. He talked about the defense playing loose and playing free. I mean, that was that was his big thing in the preseason about right. he's never seen the defense so fast and blah, 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 and the sound they make when they hit, you know, you can do all those things when you're playing with a lead. Mm-hmm. And and I and I think that can only benefit your defense. And that's right. gonna make the Marcus Freeman Notre Dame defense even better if they're allowed to play with a lead. And I think I think a thing that you can look at too, Vince, is you look at Clemson in in recent seasons under with Brent Venables, very, very aggressive defense, and they'll give up big plays from time to time. But it's one of those things where he can do that because of the type of offense they play. Exactly. Notre Dame can't afford to do that. Notre Dame has had to gear their defense towards we can't give up big plays. We right. have to keep points down because your offense isn't going to score a ton of points. Right. Not in the big games. And that puts a lot of pressure on your defense. I would love to have seen what Clark Lee could have done with a oh. seventeen to three lead on somebody. Absolutely, you know, um, and, and that would be that'd be. And I hope that Marcus Freeman gets a chance to do that um, this year. But you, you just can't continue to put the kind of pressure on your defense that Notre Dame has right. put on its defense, even this year during the season. I mean, you look at some of the games that Notre Dame won this year. I mean, look if the defense doesn't create ten points, create ten points. The defense, look. The defense scored a touchdown against Clemson, and Notre Dame got a got three points on a drive in which it had negative yards. Negative that yards. Fumble, that fumble they, recovery. Yes, yeah. that came a possession after the touchdown. Right. Notre Dame lost yards on that drive, but I they got the ball three. I think I, so. Yeah, head, and yeah. it was, but they but they still got points because they recovered the ball at like the twenty one yeah. or twenty two yard line, something like that. So right. You can't put that kind of pressure on your defense week after week after week. I mean, you you can beat Louisville twelve to seven. You're not beating anybody worth a darn twelve to seven. It's right. just not going to happen, you know. Right. Uh, and yeah, they were able to shut down North Carolina. And North Carolina had a great offense this year, but North Carolina doesn't have the personnel that Alabama has and that that Clemson has. Uh, I think they were coached really well, and they're a very good offense. But again, they don't. And the personnel, what I is more up front. I think athletically, I think. North Carolina was as good as anybody Notre Dame played this year, uh, including along with Alabama, just that you know, Alabama had one great back. North Carolina had two. Yeah. You know, um, and so – but the difference is up front. They didn't have the personnel up front. Well, they're going to keep getting better in that regards. I mean, you're, look, North Carolina can score over 40 points a game in the ACC, but Notre Dame can't. Right. You know, I mean, right. that's the other it's thing. But, but, you know, the, the when I talk about – explosive mindset all the other points are going to be built on that and and it has to be something where it's not just a play calling thing it's not a game planning thing it has to be the the backbone of who you are it's how you go about your strength conditioning program correct it's how you go about how you recruit it's how you go about developing the mentality of your players on how they go how they handle themselves in meetings how they handle themselves on the practice field Everything has to be geared towards that. So it is a, it's a, it's not just as much as saying, hey, you know what? We want to score a bunch this year. So we're going to call some more plays. They're going to give us more chances to take downfield shots. That's not going to get it done. That'll work against Purdue and Navy and teams that aren't good, but that's yeah, not going to work. Against, yes, it's not going to work against, it'll work against Wisconsin most likely because they just have better players than Wisconsin, although Wisconsin's coached extremely well on defense. But basically, that's who Notre Dame wants to be right now is Wisconsin. Yeah, they're and, a more talented version of Wisconsin. Right. And yeah. what that does is is that guarantees that you're only going to lose to Alabama 31 to 14 as opposed to 52 to 24. Woo. The difference between that is Ohio State took their shots. 
Notre Dame didn't. Ohio yeah. State was trying to win. They just weren't they weren't good enough on defense. Sure. Yeah. Then that's that was their problem. Was. Yeah. You give Ohio State's offense Notre Dame's defense, and we might be having a different conversation about how that game went down. I still think Alabama would have won, but it would have been a much more competitive game. Because in that regard, in that instance, Ohio State had to be perfect on offense. Correct. Because they knew if they didn't score on a possession, right, that Alabama was going to continue to score, and then they were yeah. going to catch up. I mean, it, honestly, it, kicking a field goal opposite. against Alabama for Ohio State was a was a loss, was a yeah. failure. Yeah. I mean, th- because your defense could not stop them. Uh, it, it, it's the exact opposite of what I was talking about before. It, right. it was where Notre Dame's defense plays that they can't give up big plays because they don't have confidence that the offense is going to go down and score. It was the right. opposite for Ohio State. If the offense doesn't keep scoring, that game is over. And that's and it, what and that's how it was. Yeah. And, and and Notre Dame has done what it needs to do defensively. And I'm not someone that believes that by being a more explosive offense that you put more, uh, you make it harder to play defense. I think your defense has to be on the field for more possessions that may result in an extra field goal or touchdown per game. But if your defense is able to get stops, they're going to be able to get stops. And I think it's even easier to get stops when you score more points. And people say, well, look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma's problem is philosophical when it comes to their defensive struggles. It's not because their offense is conducive to that. Because look at Clemson. Clemson's been a high-octane, high-powered offense, and they have very good defenses most years. I mean, their 2018 defense was phenomenal. And their offense still scored over 40 points per game. Their 2016 defense was pretty flipping good. And right. their offense scored about almost 40 points a game. So, uh, you know, that that's more of an Oklahoma problem. That's more of a Big 12 problem than it is a this, you know, one plus one equals two when it comes to, you know, having a high octane offense. Look at Alabama. I mean, Alabama was not as good as they've been in the past on defense, but they were still really good. They were still sure. held teams under 20 points a game. Right. So, um, you know, that that's the key is is that to me, Vince, if you if you adopt that philosophy and you say this has got to be who we are. So right now it's ball control. We're going to beat big boy football. You know, we're going to get power forwards at receiver. You know, we're going to get centers at tight end and then we're just going to beat you up. That's their philosophy and everything is built around that. The strength program is built around that. The practices are built around that. The game plans are built around that. The play calling is built around that. You can still be a physical rushing team, and actually, I think they'll be better. I think if they go to a more explosive mindset, I actually think it'll make the running game even harder to defend, and we'll get into some of that next week. But, uh, I mean, you look at Ohio State. They averaged like 260 rushing yards per game this year. Oklahoma, in some of the years, they were really great on offense, was averaging like 240 on offense. So, again, this is this doesn't mean you can't be physical on offense. It doesn't mean that you can't run the ball a lot. I actually think it would make your – and I also think it would take even more pressure off of your offensive line to where they don't have to be elite for you to have any chance to play. And as we saw against Alabama, your offensive line can still play really well and you have no chance to play because of those other factors. And so, I mean, look, the year that – what was it? What did Baker Mayfield win the Heisman in? 2017? Was that that the year? I think it's his third year in the league. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oklahoma averaged 217.8 yards rushing yards per game that year. They averaged 5.6 yards per carry. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. That's pretty good. You know, I mean, and they had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. What did what right. did Notre Dame do this year rushing the ball? They were 211.1, 5.0 yards per carry. Oklahoma ran for more yards per game and over a half a yard extra yards per carry. And they had they were a team that was everyone views as a throwing team. Right. So it doesn't mean you don't have to run, doesn't mean you don't have great linemen. So that but that's where if you don't do that, these next three points don't mean anything. Right. They're just they're just kind of style things if if the phyllis if the number one explosive mindset doesn't change these next three things aren't going to be as effective at least not against good teams sure the economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news we dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy from big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcast. Well, the first of those three things is one that, that I've been harping on for a long time, and I know you and I have had many, many conversations about it, um, and, and that is they need to simplify the offensive scheme mm-hmm. in order to get different guys on the field. Um, uh, and, and that, and that's why, look, the, the reason to simplify is to get more kids on the field that you, that's part of it for me. And yeah, that's, that's part that, of it. That's a big part of it for me, but it's also, um, you know, we talk about guys playing free and loose and, and that kind mm-hmm. of a thing. It's easier to do that when you don't have to, you know, take a calculus exam on the field. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, it's, it is what it is, man. I, when you're not thinking you're moving faster, that's just right. a fact. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll let you expound on it a little bit, but you know, and, and what you mean by making the scheme, uh, easier, mm-hmm. but the problem for me right now is it's so difficult that that's why you've got all of these veterans that are playing offensively because they're the only ones that understand what the heck is going on. Right. And, and I want to say this too. I don't have any issue with Ben Skoranek and Javon McKinley. I, I don't being either top two receivers this year. I mean, I from, don't either. My issue is that they dominated the reps, the way in which they dominated the reps and sure. that, that there was no other options at receiver. Exactly. Right. There was no second um, group. I mean, there was right. no, those guys only came off the field. If the personnel uh, dictated it like 13 right. personnel or whatever, where right. you're bringing more tight ends on. So you got to take the wide receivers off. Right. Other than that, they're on the field the whole game. And there was a couple of blowout games. They got Joe Wilkins in the and game that, and or that's whatever. But yeah. And then, but in the big games and those guys do come in, it's just, a, you know, that, you know, they're not getting the ball. They're just giving that other yeah. guy a breather, you know, um, simplify the system for me is twofold. Number one is to your point, Vince, you, you have to look in this era of, of modern football teams are t- putting less and less pressure on their players mentally. And what I mean by that is 
it doesn't mean that Alabama runs three plays. They don't. They actually run a lot of plays. They run a, a lot of different types of plays, but they're all built around similar philosophies, right? And so, you know, you look at RPOs. We've talked about RPOs, for example. The thing about an RPO and why we harp on this is because an RPO is a relatively simple way for a good team to attack a defense. And what I mean by that is it takes pressure off your offensive coordinator to always have the right play call. It takes pressure off of your pass game because it doesn't require your quarterback to make these these complicated, you know, second, third, fourth read type of things. It's one read. One it's read. As simple as we're running inside zone, okay? And the offensive line and the tight ends and the running back are all running inside zone. However, based on game plan, we know that this team likes to take their boundary linebacker and they like to crash him inside to take away the, you know, the, the cutback lane of the zone. So what we're going to do is we're going to bang in a quick out route or a, a, a quick hitch route where the quarterback starts the, the handoff read. And if that guy crashes in, he pulls it and throws it. Or it could be as simple as before the snap, that guy's tucked inside and the window's open and you just catch it and throw it. You don't you even do carry it. out the read. It's just catch and throw. And it's yep. based off reading one defender. And, and when, that's the hardest part from from my stand now I was coaching high school kids mm -hmm. but that was the hardest part is teaching the quarterback you know if week to week to week okay which guy mm -hmm. are we keying on right uh, in the RPO and but once they figured out who it was right. they're like wow this is easy if he does right. this I do this if he does and that's this high I school do this. kids exactly. you know I mean that, that's the thing is like and, and you know the the downfield reads it's you're going to read the safety right and if that safety inserts into the box you're pulling it and you're banging the post route behind it or a, or a deep slant behind it you know, uh, note, uh, Alabama, one of the big plays they beat Notre Dame on early in the game was literally just a slant route. And it. It, he was reading the backside backer. I think actually might have been the mic. I think the way I'm trying to remember to the side of the field they ran it on. I can't remember if it was the buck or the mic, but it was basically if the Notre Dame linebacker steps down to defend the run, you pull it and you throw the slant behind it. And that's what they did. And, you know, they had Devontae Smith so they could win that route. But, I mean, look, Chase Claypool could win one-on-ones, you know, Kevin, Braden Lindsay, there's Notre Dame's had a there's lot, a of, lot of dudes yeah. that can win those one-on-ones. Avery Davis won those routes a lot this year. He just never got the ball. So it simplifies that. It puts more stress on the defense because now it's like, well, if you if you focus on the run, then we're going to pull it and throw it. I mean, you, you talk about North Carolina. They have a quarterback that ESPN predicts is going to be a first-team All-American next year. Kid's been a very good player, Sam Howe. And Deami Brown was a great wide receiver, arguably the best receiver in the, the ACC this year, had over 1,000 yards receiving. But they they were a team that had 2,000-yard running backs. Right. Like, again, to my point, you can run and throw out of this. But you, if you're going to be a team that builds around running the football, you have to have RPOs. A team that like USC can get away without with, can get away with not having RPOs because everything's a pass. And the run is almost like, keep you honest, by occasionally running a, the ball. Uh, but that's not, that's not, I don't want, if Notre Dame did that, I'd say that's just, that's even worse than what Notre Dame is doing, you know? So uh, simplify means it's partly the RPO aspect, but it's also bigger picture of when your guy lines up, he's got to know what to do. And it can't be, well, I got to make this complex read of what they're doing. It's line up and I'm calling a play and you're running this route. Now, right. your route may alter based on the coverage, but it's you're altering your corner route. You're not changing it to a post curl. You know, uh, that's the difference. And so 
And then essentially the quarterback then, based on how you build your concepts, is, okay, if they have this corner route covered well, then we know we're taking something else, you know? And and I think part of the simplifying the system, too, is going to require uh, more quick reads. Uh, Notre Dame is a very vertically oriented pass team. Even when they're throwing the ball short, it's built on a lot of vertical routes, and they just throw the checkdowns a lot and the crossing routes a lot. They run a lot of vertical routes. And it's a very pro-style offense, and there's not a lot of quick game. There's not a lot of screens. And, and there's just not a lot of things that allow your quarterback to get into a rhythm against a good team. And that's a big part of the simplification, too, is, you know, what's my read? Okay, there's eight in the box. All right, so I'm going to pull it. I'm going to throw this little look screen to Braden Lindsey, let him go do something. If he only runs for two yards, okay, fine. He only ran for two yards. But the next time, he may go for 70. And, and when you have players like Braden Lindsey and Chris Tyree and Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts and in the past, Chase Claypool could be this guy, Will Fuller, Chris Brown, Amir Carlisle, C.J. Procise, Josh Adams, Dexter Williams, you have guys that can be on any given play, I can go 60, I can go 70. What simplifying the offense does is it makes those players even better because now they're thinking less and they know what they're going to do. I know what I'm running on this route. Now, if I know what I'm running, then that allows me as a receivers coach to say, I can focus more on the technique of the routes that exactly. are being run. That is a big difference that, that I see is Alabama's receivers are talented, but they're incredibly well coached. One of my biggest beefs of the Notre Dame receivers, especially in the last three or four years, has been they don't really know how to run routes all that well. They just It's, it's scheme-driven. And I, I, you watch Chase Claypool as a rookie, and he's doing things that that are making him so hard to guard. But it's like that's what sophomore receivers should be doing, you know. And, and that's something where you're just you're seeing Notre Dame so scheme driven, and so I have to know these three or four different options on each route that I can't focus on what my route technique is. You know, I'm going to attack his leverage. I'm going to stem him this way. I'm going to do this little move at the top end because that's going to get me separation. It's what am I running here? Okay, he's there. He's there. Okay, yeah, I'm running this route. And hopefully I'm right. And hopefully the quarterback is also right because yeah. now that's just a lot you know, of moving parts to be right all at the same right. time. That's and I think that's the problem that I have is when you have all these opportunities and these choice routes and options and things of that nature, so many different parts have to be right at the same time for it to be a successful play. Right. And when you when you talk about the fact that uh in this offense, in this scheme right now. It's all about the perfect play call. Mm -hmm. And it might be the perfect play call, but if everybody's not doing the same right. thing and picking the same uh, choose your own adventure chapter in the book, right. then you're not going to be successful. In an RPO type system, you're doing the same thing no matter what. The only mm -hmm. person making the decision is the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And it's a very simple decision. It's A or B. Right. Now, you can get more complicated than that. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm simplifying. And everything's not an RPO. That's the other thing. And, and that's absolutely not an RPO. true. But I think that's where you can start because those are very simple things right. that anybody coming into the program can can figure out. Right. A freshman knows, okay, on this play, I'm running a slant every time. Am I going right. to get the ball every time? No. Right. But I've got to be ready because I'm going to run a slant every time. Yeah. I mean, that's right. There's there's on way... this call, I know what I'm doing. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Before that... I line up, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. And then it's up to the quarterback to determine who's going to get the ball. Correct. 
And, and so it, it takes a lot of pressure off the quarterback, even though it sounds like you're adding pressure to the quarterback, you're really not. Cause he now has just that pre-snap read. And now his, 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 then his post-snap reads like this one defender, he's got to make the pre-snap read now, as opposed to what Notre Dame does, which is, okay, I'm, I, I think this guy's going to run a corner based on what they're doing, but I'm not sure there's going to be some hesitancy where I know sure. he's yeah. running a corner and I yeah. know based on the pre-snap read, I'm reading this smash concept in the boundary. I, that, that's what we're reading. And, or I know I'm reading the, the reading the double post of the field, or I know I'm reading the backside corner on this corner drag route that we broke that for Alabama. So it, it is simplification. Now it, it doesn't look simplified because exactly. you're still running a decent amount of stuff. And I've always been a believer that I would rather you run less stuff and, and have be really, really good at it. And I think that's what you see at Alabama. They run a, a good number of routes they run a, a number of concepts, but they don't run all those concepts in the, the same, same game form, or out of the same formation. or the same formation. Exactly. So they'll, they'll run it. They'll run the same concept. This time, Devonte Smith is backside running the corner route. The next time he's the one running the cross. The next time he's running a backside comeback, because that's where we think our matchup that's can be. Matchups. Or yeah. we're trying, we know that Alabama, we know that this team is going to overreact when Devonte is the outside field receiver. They're going to go basically, they're going to treat a two receiver set almost like trips because they're so afraid of Devonte. So we now know we can isolate backside and get some looks. You see what I'm saying? And so, yeah, no, absolutely. And we're venturing a little bit into scheme. Right. Uh, but, but it's part but, of, yeah. you can't do that. You can't have your receiver play three different positions in the same game if he has to know three or four different options on every pass play Off of every on yeah. each of those places. So right. by by being complex, you make your offense easier to game plan for if you're a good defense. By being less by being less complex and more simplified, you can now do more things that make it harder for teams to get a read on your offense. That that I mean it may not it may not sound like it makes sense, but it makes sense. And if you watch football games, you're going to see that. So that's why simplifying the offense to me doesn't mean you run five plays. It just means you put less responsibility on each individual yes, player. Exactly. And you you now find ways to protect certain guys. And now you can when you have a more simplified offense where when we call this play, you run this one route. To your point, Vince, that means Jordan Johnson doesn't have to know three routes per play. He can know exactly. one. And now he can play more, and he can play 15, 20 snaps a game. You can get him two or three targets early in the year. Same with Xavier Watts. Same with, you know, in the past. You don't have to play Freddie Canteen and, Ch and, and Cam Smith and Chris Fink for over 100 snaps against Georgia while Miles Boykin and Chase Claypool get 12 combined. You, you don't have to do that. You can now get your best players on the field and you can tailor what you do. Cause Hey, look, Jordan only knows these four routes. Okay. okay. When he's on the field, we'll use them in those four routes, but he can run those routes from the boundary. He can run those routes from the slot. He can run those routes from the field because this is the call and it just makes it easier to get younger kids on the field. So that's why simplifying the offense uh, is important. And then you can be more versatile and, and we'll kind of get it to point four. We'll talk another reason why simplification is more important, but before that we've, we've got another kind of point to make on this. Well, and, and you, you, you make a really good point because again, the less thinking you have, the faster that you can play. Right. And that leads us into our third point where you can mix up the tempos of your offense. There are times when going fast can be very beneficial. Mm -hmm. Okay, absolutely. And, and you can name a bunch of different opportunities where that can be beneficial or 
you can slow things down Mm -hmm. and that can be very beneficial Mm -hmm. to you controlling the offense doesn't mean controlling the clock necessarily Mm -hmm. it's controlling the tempo there you go you're 100 right and i think that that is where notre dame can be that they can take over a ball game by controlling the tempo right and and you can you can make the analogy of uh mike bray and his his burn offense you know which is really boring to watch but they (laughs) they they suck clock and they they limit they limit opportunities for the other team i get that or you speed it up and it's almost like Mm -hmm. being on a fast break now in order to speed it up though having those less complex offensive ideas that makes things go even faster cannot run tempo the way notre dame runs their offense well and because not not with any consistency no and 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 one of the reasons and again this is kind of from a scheme standpoint you've got wide receivers running opposite sides of the field and everything when you're trying to go fast and that can Mm be you know if if each receiver knows each position, you can stay on your side of the field. Yeah, well, and if they know the concepts, you know, that's, that's the thing. what I'm you, saying. The concept is the concept. And, yes. and I know that if I'm field number one, I have a post. If I'm backside exactly. number one, I have a, I have a, an out. Right. You know, um, and and then you can get into more things where if you want to have some complexity, when you have a veteran quarterback like Ian book, then you can give him more things where if he sees a, if he sees an open, you know, an an opening to the boundary An opening means like, so like they're playing cover four and that linebackers tucked inside. So that's an, it's open. The window's open in the flat corners playing off and he's got his back to the sideline. Hey, you know what? I look over at my boundary. Hey, Javon, I'm making a check, run a deep, run an out cut. We're going to, now you just audible to one route. Right. Exactly. It's, it's simple. It, it's, hey, bang this. Right. And it can be we're calling an inside zone play. And, you know, I'm going to read it. But if they do post snap what I think they're going to do, then I'm pulling and I'm banging the outcut. And if they don't, if the safety comes into that window, or if the linebacker drops, that's OK, because I'm handing it off on the inside zone anyway. Yeah. Right. So there's complexity within the simplification. And, and the tempo, by going tempo, you have to be somewhat simplified. And when Notre Dame has had success in tempo, if you go back and look at this season and last couple seasons, it's usually early in the game mm-hmm. when they purposely come out in tempo. But the reason they're able to do it is because it's off the script. It's scripted. They've run so this in practice. This right. Exact- and they know the plays. They so so. But once they go off the script, it's a lot more complicated because now it's back to sort of the complex offensive game plan. I think that mixing up the tempos not only makes it better for your players, but I think it would, it's better for Tommy Reese as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it gives him more weapons that he can utilize. Hey, look, we just had a really physical, time-consuming, we beat that other team up on that last drive. Because there's going to be times like that. You know, Alabama had two long drives against uh, Notre Dame early in the game. So you say, hey, we really beat them up. So what do you want to do on the next drive? Do you want to beat them up again? Or do you want to, let's go fast. Because they just we just physically beat them up right now. Let's make them run around and chase yeah. us for this next series. Yeah, absolutely. And now, now the defense is like, what in the world do we do now? Yes, it keeps you know? the defense on their heels as far as oh man, what are we going to do? You don't know what's yeah. coming. Yeah, and and it doesn't have to be tempo. Doesn't mean throwing the ball. It doesn't mean you don't go too tight. I think the thing about Notre Dame's tight end personnel and their running oh, back you're gonna, personnel. You're say exactly what I wanted to say next. Go say it. Say it. No, go Wait. for it. It's going to be if you're going tempo and you're not subbing, then the defense can't sub. Correct. Right? So, so, but with Notre Dame's personnel, the, the guys that they actually have on their roster right now, if they're, if let's say you're in 12 personnel, just as an example, so you got two tight ends on the field, uh, you can run too tight 
and you can run the ball right at their face. Mm-hmm. You could split both of those you guys can go out. Overloads, you yeah, can go, you can do all yeah, types of things. Yeah, king queen, whatever you want to call it. You can go trips to one side, single receiver to the other. You can go empty because right. guess what? Notre Dame's running backs are really good in the slot. So, and no, can, all of Notre Dame's tight ends are good pass catchers. Yes. So you can do all of those things with Notre Dame's personnel without subbing. Yeah, which you means, can put your two tight ends on the outside, put your yes. two receivers in the slot, and then see how the defense is going to handle them. Then you exactly. may call inside zone the first time, but if they're going to put their linebackers way outside the box, we're then running we'll it. run it at you. And if they want to keep their linebackers inside, now, now you have some slot mismatches with your slot receivers against their linebackers. and you know, Or if they want to go put a 5'11 cornerback out there on Michael exactly. Mayer, we're banging a, a, a fade cut. Or we're, All day. You know, so y- y- you want to go two, two back in a series. You can, line, you can literally put Kyron Williams in the slot every play with Chris Tyree at running back and be an 11 personnel. Yep. And then the very next play, you've got two running backs in the backfield and the Absolutely. way that Kyron Williams blocks and you have a tight end in the game, you, you can, you can still go with some heavy run stuff. And so there, it just, it mixing up the tempos allows you to do a lot of different things. Yep. And this kind of leads into our fourth point. We're kind of already cheating ahead and looking to the fourth point. But the point okay. is, is that tempo, the way the way that Notre Dame has recruited, there actually are some benefits to their tempo because there's not a personnel package that Notre Dame runs that locks them into exactly run heavy, pass heavy. It, there isn't. And if anything, Notre Dame's two tight end sets is more conducive because you can put Michael Mayer at any position on the field and he's going to have a mismatch one way or the other. Either yep, a linebacker that can't run with him yep. or a safety or a corner who isn't big enough to defend him. Because here's the deal. Nobody else that Notre Dame's going to play has Kyle Hamilton in safety. Right. Nobody else has a 6'4 kid that can line up and somewhat lengthwise run with handle Michael Mayer. None of them have it. And, and that's what makes – Kyle Hamilton's kind of a unicorn and, and such a great player. I mean, he's instinctive and athletic, but also, let's be honest, being 6'4 helps. If he was 5'11, he'd still be a good player, but he wouldn't be what he is. Yeah, let's be real about that. So I think that, that you know, and, and what we're not calling for is the Chip Kelly Oregon offense where you're trying to run 100 plays. Uh, I think there's a happy medium right. between that and what Notre Dame does now. And I also think that I think Notre Dame – would not benefit by being a nonstop tempo offense. I think that would somewhat take away from their strengths. And if sure. you look, Clemson's not a nonstop up tempo offense. Ohio State's not a nonstop up tempo offense. Neither is Alabama, neither is LSU. There needs to be some method so you can see what the defense is doing and getting a play calling in there, but there needs to be some quickness to it. And and because the problem is when Notre Dame goes as slow as they do, they now give the defense a better chance to get the right play call. Exactly. That doesn't hurt you against most teams because even if they have the right play call, you're just still better than they are. It doesn't matter. Yeah, right. It hurts you against Clemson. It hurts you against Alabama. It'll hurt you against the better teams on the schedule. It's hurt you against Georgia. And to where now you're winning or losing those games because your players are just better than theirs. Well, when their player, even if you have slightly better players, if their players are coached up better and in put in better positions, then that negates the slight advantage you may even right. have. And so that's why the tempos is one of those things where they don't know what's coming. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they know that there's always a chance you could go fast, which makes it harder for them to be in a position where they can wait to get calls in. Because if they wait to get calls in, then they're going to find themselves not lined up or not having to call in. They always have to get the call in quickly. And then if Notre Dame decides to go slow, then they can make their adjustment and get the call in. But you now make the defense force themselves to simplify what they do, which now allows you as a play caller to have some stuff. Hey, look, this next series, we're going to go. We're Because a lot of times in, in tempo, you're going to make three, two, three calls at once. 
hey, we're going to go sure. with a screen on first down. We're going to run buck sweep on, on snap two. And then on snap three, assuming that we're going to see this be prepared for us to go double posts. Because we think the quick screen and the outside zone is going to force their safeties down. We're going to bang a double post on third. So you've already kind of got your play calls already worked out. Right. And so that's the nice thing about going tempo. It allows you to kind of set them up for more plays to, to create those explosives, which goes back to point one. It's it, the more you have a defense on their heels, Vince, the harder it is for them to stop you when you have really good players. Absolutely. And Notre Dame's always going to have really good players on offense. Well, and, and the versatility, I mean, gosh, offensive coordinators around the country would kill for the versatility mm -hmm. of Notre Dame's offensive skill players. I mean, they just would. I, what we talked about with, with Notre Dame's tight ends and what they're able to do and the running backs and what they're able to do. I mean, the versatility is amazing. You can mm -hmm. do so much with that group. Um, and moving into point number four, because of the versatility of that group and because of the versatility of the guys on this roster, you can then use more personnel and go deeper into right. uh, that roster and, and really benefit from the right. talent that is on this roster. Cause what have we, what did we say, you know, five, six years ago about Notre Dame um, is that they, they were pretty darn good, uh, you know, on an 85 man roster, let's mm -hmm. say, cause we're not talking about walk-ons mm -hmm. like one to 30 Notre Dame was pretty darn good. It was the 30 to like 65. Some years it was like one to 12. <laughs> right. You know, like 2012, it was like one through 10. They can play yeah. with anybody. But after right. that, there's a big gap. But you, you understand know. what I'm saying? Right. Now, Notre Dame's one through 85 is pretty darn good. Right. And right. you can, and, and using that depth to your, to your advantage, uh, it, it, it is a huge thing. To right. You can do. I mean, that Notre Dame needs to take out, take this depth out and see what mm -hmm. it can do for them. You know what I mean? Take yep. it out for a spin and see what it can do for them. So for me, Vince, there's two aspects to using more personnel. Number one is the obvious one, and that is, you know, mixing up 11, 12, 21, you know, doing more things. With I mean, there's that part of it. And I think that with tempo is is really good. I like that with tempo sure. when you can, hey, one, one series we're in two tights, the next series, you know, we're in one, you know, four receivers, no tights. You, mm -hmm. you, you just, you don't know what's coming. And then we're, this series, we're going to go slow. We're going to motion. We're going to shift. We're going to do all these things. The next year is we're just lining up and we're just going as fast as we can. So I think there's that. But the other part of it, to your point, is is using more of your personnel. Mm -hmm. And I think when you when you have an explosive mindset, when you simplify your system, when you're able to mix up tempos, when you've made it more conducive to learning, then you know you you Jordan Johnson doesn't have to have as firm of a grasp on the offense as Javon McKinley. Xavier Watts doesn't have to understand. Right the offense and all the nuances of it, as well as Ben Skoranek or Avery Davis does, you know, you, you eliminate that to a degree. And then you say, look, this is all this kid can do. Clark Lee's done a great job on this on defense and, and where he'll say, look, this is what Isaiah Foskey's good at. So guess what we're not going to do. We're not going to ask <laughs> Isaiah Foskey to do things that aren't on this list of things that he's good sure. at. Right. And, and you know, that's why Isaiah Foskey wasn't getting 40, 50 snaps a game. People, and that was the thing is like, well, they should play him more. Look at the sacks he gets. Well, he's being successful because he's, he's not playing 50 snaps a game. Yeah, right. They did that with Kyle Hamilton in 2019. They didn't yes. ask Kyle Hamilton to do as much as they asked Elohi Gilman to do. They didn't ask him to start. I mean, he was, right. he was the guy that came in as a, a benefit to what they were right. doing defensively. And they would do three safety stuff or they'd go to a rotation, but he always had that veteran with them. They weren't going to ask right. him to do all that. They said, he wasn't making what he can do and, yeah. and we're going to let him do what he can do. And, and the offense yes. needs to adopt that. It's even more conducive on offense because, you know, 
you you can also I think what that also allows you to do is it's going to allow you to mix up your personnel. So like one week you may look at a team and say, boy, we're really going to throw a lot of receivers at them. And so right. then your next opponent's preparing for Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts. But then you say, based on your scouting, we think we can hammer them with our bigger sets because they're undersized. They're not. And so they are preparing for these three, four, five, six receivers. And then you come at them and you're just throwing George Takis and Michael Mayer and Kevin Bauman and Kane Barong at them, or you're, you know, you're running a bunch of receiver uh, running back stuff at them that they right. are, you know, so each week it's going to look a lot different. And that's the thing I loved about Alabama is there were some weeks when, you know, Alabama would be a lot of three receiver stuff. And then the next week they're in two tights more than Notre Dame is, Yeah, you know, and, and it just would be game plan related, but you just never knew what you're going to, we're going to be able to do. And, and I think that's part of it. Cause I'm going to throw a stat at you that just, everybody says, well, you know, there, there've been freshmen that have played, it's been rare, and in the years where they have had freshmen play, it's because there were no other options or everybody else was young. So Kevin Stefferson in 2016 played because guess what? Everybody else on the roster was a freshman or sophomore except for Torrey Hunter. And guess what happened in the first game of the year? He got knocked out and didn't play the next two games, and Kevin right. Stefferson got his shot and made plays, and that gave him a chance to get in the game. Right? Um, so Will Fuller, Chase Claypool, Miles Boykin, Equinemi St. Brown, Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsey, DeVars Daniels, Javon McKinley, Jordan Johnson, and Xavier Watts okay, combined number. for 17 catches in their first seasons at Notre Dame. Combined. Combined. Yikes. That's what, about 1.2 catches a person? Yeah, and 11 <laughs> of those were from Claypool and Will Fuller. Yeah. Claypool caught five. Will Fuller caught six. So, to me... Equinemius St. Brown caught one, Boykin caught zero, Kevin Austin caught five, Braden Lindsay caught zero, DeVars Daniels caught zero, Javon McKinley caught zero, Jordan Johnson caught zero, Xavier Watts caught zero. Right. That is not a receiver player talent problem. That is a coaching problem. Absolutely. And we know again, what a lot of the names that you just read yep. off, we know what they ended up being at Notre Dame right. once they finally got on the field. Right. So I, you can't make the argument to me that every one of those guys right. – was a dud when they first got to Notre Dame, and then all yes. of a sudden they were amazing. Yeah, and and then like in the case of like Will Fuller, he went from six catches as a freshman to seventy six as a sophomore. <laughs> right. You right. know, so did he really get seventy catches better in one offseason? Another example, Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams carried the ball four times last year. This year he's a second team All American on Sporting News. Did he really get that much better to where he went from never getting to play to right? you know, a thousand yards. Did he really, did he get better? Of course he got better. Was he able to be a 20 carry a guy as a freshman? No, it's not what but, we're saying. Right. And and so that's the, that's the frustrating aspect of it. So the, the Michael Mayers, the Chris Tyrees are rare at Notre Dame. They're not used that often in Notre Dame. And the reality is, is that you're limiting yourself when you go play Clemson in 2018 and you've got miles Boykin and chase Claypool and Alizé Mack and Cole Komet and Dexter Williams. That's pretty good. But those Braden Lindsay, Kevin Austin, Lawrence Keys combined for Tommy Tremble combined for zero snaps, I think, in that game. Zero snaps, much less targets. How good could you have been if you would have used Claypool, Boykin, Dexter Williams, Alizé Mack, Chris Colcomet, and Kevin Austin, and right. Braden Lindsay, and Lawrence Keys? Right. You know what I mean? And th those, those are the frustrating things. And say, well, we're trying to redshirt Braden Lindsay. Why? A right. guy like that's not a five year player. You know, and you won't want him for a fifth year because that means his speed is gone and he's not a dynamic player anymore. So you don't want him. So it, it, to me, as they've just Notre Dame has has 
so much in this in their career. And you point to like Josh Adams in 2015. You look at all the yards he ran for. He 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 barely carried the ball except in mop up duty his first year. You know, he, his numbers came after he was injured. I mean, he came off the bench against Texas, had five carries for 49 yards, two touchdowns. The next two games, he had three carries and two carries. Then he had 13 carries against UMass in a blowout. Then he had two for two yards against Clemson, eight carries in a blowout over Navy. Against USC, he comes off the bench in the first half, runs for 26 yards, doesn't get another touch. So sound familiar with right. Chris Tyree? Then the next week against Temple, he gets zero carries, and they barely win. And then C.J. Procise gets hurt. And all of a sudden, Josh Adams learned how to play running back. Yeah, right. 147 <laughs> against Pitt, 141 against Wake Forest, 168 against Stanford, averaged 5.6 yards a carry against Ohio State. Like, did the light just go on for him yeah, miraculously man, the moment that C.J. Procise got hurt? Or was he capable of that the whole year? They just didn't utilize him. Divine intervention. And, and that's the whole point that I'm making is you look at Tyler Eifert in, 20, in 2010. Right when 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 uh, Kyle Rudolph was at Notre Dame, I think Ky- Tyler Eifert that year. And th- again, this is this is just another point. Tyler Eifert that year, I'm pulling it up now. He had one catch in the first six games of the year. One. Then Kyle Rudolph gets hurt, and then the next six seven games he goes four four five two four three four for 72, 42, 61, 15, 78, 36, and thirty one. Why didn't you use that when you also had Kyle Rudolph? You know, so those are the frustrating things is Notre Dame has underutilized so much talent over the years because of its insistence on playing offense the way that it has played offense. Sure. If Brian Kelly gets – and part of that I understand because he never you, – when you're at Grand Valley or Cincinnati, you're not going to be six, seven receivers deep. So what you have to do is you have to say, we're going to – we have here's who we got and here's what we're going to do. Well, you're at Notre Dame now, and your receiving core now is a whole lot better than the days when you had to play Robbie Paris and Daniel Smith. Right. So I get it back then, but now there's no excuse not to play Jordan Johnson more or Xavier Watts more and those players more. And that's really where it needs to be better, where Notre Dame has to start utilizing their talent more. And until they do that, they're always going to underachieve. That doesn't mean Lorenzo Styles plays 50 snaps a game next year, but if he doesn't play at least five to 10 snaps a game early in the year, you're just not doing this thing right. No. And I think those are all really good points. And, uh, and the thing is everything that we have brought forth, in this podcast and that you did in your article uh, over on irishbreakdown.com is that all of these things are, are doable with this roster, with the, you know, the recruiting, the way that they're recruiting with the coaching staff that they've got, everything's in place to do everything that we just said. It, it's just, you have to change at your core right. with your philosophy in order to make right. that happen. And look, and you've made this point before and I'll make it again. Now that we're about to wrap up is that, this is the perfect opportunity yeah. because of the turnover, mm-hmm. because of the schedule uh, mm-hmm. in, in 2021, and because of what the schedule is going to be right. in 2022. This is a pivotal offseason, and this is the perfect opportunity mm-hmm. to make these changes now. And the biggest one is the offensive line because your offensive line is not going to be anywhere close to what it was in 2020. I don't care how good sure. the com- guys coming back are. They don't have a hundred plus career starts like this unit did. They just don't. And that's a and fact. That doesn't mean they're not going to be good. 2018 right. offensive line was good. It just wasn't elite. And right. when it wasn't good, it hurt the offense. People acted like Notre Dame's 2018 offense was garbage. It wasn't, it was good. It just wasn't great because you lost Mike McGlinchey, Quentin Nelson, sure, Alex yeah. Morris got hurt early in the year. You had some big losses, but they're still good. They just weren't great, but the system requires them to be great for it to really work. And 
and what what the offense is that the change that we're talking about simplifying things rpos uh and we'll get into some scheme things too those things are going to allow that offensive line to play better it's also going to take some of the pressure off of them so if teams want to load the box against them you're now throwing it behind them right uh being more and some of this looking ahead to some of the schematic stuff being more perimeter pass oriented quick games screens things like that if you're successful with those running more RPOs where you're just banging those quick outcuts and just stealing six and seven yards, things like that. Cause that's some of the great things. It's not RPOs. Aren't always these 40 yard gains. It's first and 10, you get six yards, bam. Mm-hmm. First and 10, you get six yards, bam. That's great. And so, uh, the, the, so you, so you look at that and you say that takes a lot of pressure off the offensive line because now you're spreading the field. You're limiting the ability for teams to come in the box against your two tight end sets or your running back sets and say, hey, you want to load the box? That's cool. We're just going to – we're just throw it. If we have to pull it and throw it, we'll throw a six-yard out cut every time until you stop right. it. Right. Absolutely. You know, and, and then there'll be things behind it. If you want to try to take that, we've got the, – there's all types of different things you can do with the RPO-based offense that are going to basically say, if you want to load the box, we have answers for you. We're, we're just – we're going to take – we're going to throw it to the open guy. You know, and we'll still run – we'll still run – We'll still run the ball. You know, if you if you keep your guy out there, we're going to still hand it off. And so you take pressure off your line. So that's to your point of what does that mean to to the perfect timing? You, you, you're not going to have a quarterback that's got 30-plus starts under his belt at Notre Dame. He's not going to have all the intricacies, the in, in, intricacies that Ian Book had or the experience Ian Book had. You don't have Chase Claypool coming back. You don't have fifth-year receivers coming back. You don't have these things. So now's the the, the perfect time to do it because there's less deprogramming you have to do. That's the other part. It would have been hard for Notre Dame to completely change this past offseason. I right. get it. I, it really would have. You, you got five returning starters. You've sure. got Ian Book. I get the the hesitation to do it. There, there, those those hesitations aren't there anymore. I still would have done it. That's not the point. But I'm saying I I'm more sympathetic to why they they weren't they didn't do it. Now no RPOs is ridiculous, but I get it. My point now is, Vince, they're with a new quarterback, with four new starting offensive linemen, with a bunch of new skill players. There's no excuse now to not do it. And it's also more conducive to getting more out of your best players coming back. This type of offense is going to be better for Kyron Williams. It's going to be better for Chris Tyree. It's going to be better for Michael Mayer. So it also benefits your best players. So there's really no reason not to do it. And there's no reason not to do it now. And that's why I've said, and, and I'll have an article and a podcast coming about this down the road, that's why this offseason is going to define Brian Kelly's legacy. Agreed. His willingness to make the necessary changes, which he's done at times on defense, his willingness to make the big changes on offense this offseason is going to determine whether or not he's just who he is, which is a really good coach that's got Notre Dame to be a really good program, but not a real title team, or if Brian Kelly is capable of, of getting that ring, getting that championship, which then leads to the statue. So if he cares about his legacy, ultimately – these are the changes that he needs to make because I think he has the potential to take Notre Dame over the hump. He he brought him here. He he can get him over the hump, but it's going to require a change. Just like Mac Brown was willing to make that change at Texas. Mac Brown had a way of doing things, and, and Texas was good. They were 9-10 wins a year, but they would get their butts kicked by Oklahoma, and they'd get their butts kicked on the big stage. Then they made a change to a more up-tempo, explosive offense, and what happens? They go out, and in year two of doing that, they won a title. Mm-hmm. And that's where Notre Dame is. You you do the right things. You got a chance in 2022 with that schedule, with the players you're going to have coming back, to to be a, a title contender. I truly believe it. It, but you're not going to do it if you wait till then to make those changes. 
you got to get a year under your system in that belt. And then by the end of that 2014, that 2004 season, you go back and watch Texas in that Rose Bowl against Michigan, that offense started to click late in the year. And it carried over into 2005, and they were just an elite, elite football team that year. And you had to be to beat Texas or to beat USC. You had to be. Look how good Notre Dame was in 2005, and they couldn't even still beat USC. You know what I mean? So Right, 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 right. We've seen it done. We've seen it done with legendary coaches who did a lot of great things but couldn't get their team over the hump. Mac Brown was willing to make those necessary changes, and it got him a title. If Brian Kelly can do it, I truly believe that Brian Kelly can end his career with that same level of success, which will completely change his legacy at Notre Dame. Well, we can all look forward to that because I agree with you on a lot of those points, and that's going to be a fun one to talk about. But uh, that's going to do it for today's uh, episode of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Make sure you uh, subscribe, like, review, however uh, you do your thing when it comes to podcasts um, uh, because we're going to keep bringing them to you. And uh, we're going to have our schematic one coming up soon for sure. I'm over here scratching down notes of things that I want to talk about during that one. Uh, and I'm sure Brian has obviously done the same thing. And uh, tomorrow, the plan is that we're going to talk about uh, Marcus Freeman's defense and what that looks like uh, when he was at Cincinnati, uh, what we think that that's going to look like at Notre Dame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, looking forward to that one. So tomorrow is Marcus Freeman's uh, defense. And uh, look, make sure you stay locked in to irishbreakdown.com because there's always good information over there. Uh, we, we, we're covering it all. And uh, so make sure you stay locked in over there. Brian, any final words? No, I'm good to go, buddy. All right, man. So for Brian Driscoll, I am Vince D'Addario, and we will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. <laughs> Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.